An eagle is soaring and turning and diving. It stretches its wings to the currents of air. How hard, Lord, we struggle and work for your blessing. May we see your grace in the eagle above. Almighty God, creator of us all, grant us the patience to wait and listen to your voice today. Help us not to seek answers to life and growth solely in the silence of prayer, 
but rather let your thoughts, O God, travel to us through the truth of your word. How thankful we are that you have come into our lives through the Holy Spirit. You know, Lord, that we are not perfect. There are areas in our lives needing redemption and improvement. Show us where we can honor you. May we learn the love of Jesus Christ, and may others see Christ in us as we interact with them daily. We also pray for all who are seeking a cause that is worthy of their life's commitment and a Lord who is deserving of their devotion. In the midst of options, we pray that all we evaluate the opportunity and the choices you present to us express our gratitude the gift of grace through Jesus Christ by the way we choose to live. We pray you will be with these scouts and with us. Together may our worship today prepare us to lead lives that are trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. For the sake of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Sonia Poe, the elder of the day, and I not only welcome all of you who may be visiting here this morning but a very special warm welcome to the Boy Scout Troops 141, 341, their families, and also the Girl Scout Troop 145, who we have in our presence here. I encourage all of you to both sign the pew pads found at the end of each row, like right there, and... Members, non-members, visitors alike. And we all invite you to Fellowship Hall for coffee afterwards and visit with friends. You notice that uh, we have a number of Boy Scouts in our presence um, and who have posted colors. And it's my honor and privilege to welcome all of you because my husband, who passed away four years ago, was very much a part of 341 as scoutmaster for over 20 years and as past committee chair. I have very fond memories of our scout years with our family and made wonderful, lifelong friends. I proudly have two sons who are Eagle Scouts and a local grandson who is aspiring Eagle already. He's just started as his father and grandfather. These years are very precious memories for your family, 
cherish them. I need to make a couple of other announcements. Uh, one for Jack Holsworth about Optimus, over, <coughs> which is our over 55 group. We'll meet in Fellowship Hall next Friday, this coming Friday, at 12.30 with lunch at 1. You need to bring a sandwich and a small amount of table service as dessert and beverage are provided. The program is a PowerPoint presentation on the golden age of carousels, the lovely merry-go-rounds, presented by Carol Samuel of Osher Institute at RIT. So come to listen to the intriguing insights, and I understand that there will be a very, very special door prize. Um, Another announcement is the fact that when you go into Fellowship Hall, the Heifer Fair is in progress. And this is done annually, and it supports the Effort International. So if you take a look around and see everything that our Sunday school and youth have made um, for sale, um, it's quite an array of things. Now if the um, Girl Scout Troop 145, who are here this morning, would come forward and do their minute for mission. pleased to be here today. We are from Girl Scout Troop 60145. My name is Ava. My name is Faith. My name is Gwen. My name is Sydney. My name is Emily. We are here because we are collecting items to cheer up sick and hurt kids in the hospital. By doing this, we can hope to make the world a fun and happy place for the kids in the hospital. We were inspired by the organization Kayla Cares for Kids. This organization has donated thousands of toys, books, movies, and games to many different hospitals around the country. We would like to ask for your help, asking you to donate your new or gently used books, movies, rated G, PG, PG-13, board games. Even a deck of cards is fine. We will be leaving boxes outside where you can donate these items for the next three weeks. Thank you for your time. And thank you for donating and helping kids in the hospital. And And thank thank you you for for supporting supporting Girl Scouts. Scouts. Thank you, Troop 145. And as our Girl Scouts are heading out, I think we have a visitor heading in from the pasture. move to the fellowship hall after the service to support the heifer fair. If we work together, we can provide a cow or any other animal or family that needs it.
Good morning, everyone. I'm Will Riedlinger, the SPL of True 341. If you guys could stand up, wave. Yeah. There they are. There they are. Okay, you can sit down. Now. So, <clears throat> first, we would like to say thank you. Thank you for supporting this church, which can then support us to have our meetings here, so that we can get on as a troop and help to change our community. We have been doing several community projects. As we get more Eagle Scouts, they have to do their own community service, each one of them. And as we complete those, our community, we think, gets better and better and closer to something we would call perfect. So I would like to say thank you for supporting this church and our troop so that we can meet here and do those things. As um, a report from the troop, we this summer are going to Switzerland and... Massawipi Scout Camps, and Philmont Scout Reservation. So we're all very excited about those big trips coming up, and we have several planned for this winter and into the spring. So I'd like to say thank you for allowing us to do all these fun things and give back to the community. Thank you. Hello all, and welcome to this, th this service. I am Matthew Levengood, a sophomore at Sutherland High School, a life scout, and the senior patrol leader, the highest youth position in scouting of Troop 171. I'm also a runner for both the Sutherland cross country and outdoor track team. I enjoy scouting because it allows me to experience much needed physical and mental adversity, like setting up four canvas tents in the pouring rain which I had to sleep in later, and leading a team of scouts my age to victory at a cold weather challenge campout. We are a troop of roughly 30 active members, including four active Eagle Scouts. We have two graduate Eagle Scouts from last year, one of whom attends Harvard University and the other a freshman at the Coast Guard Academy. We have a wide array of boys, from 11 to 17 years of age, who attend many various schools such as Pittsburgh, Rush Henrietta, and McQuaid. We have an incredibly active program with a camp out nearly every month, a multitude of outdoor activities such as ice climbing, cold weather camping, service projects, gift wrapping for charity, and even making apple cider. Weekly meetings for a long week and a long week long summer stay at Massawipi camp, camps in the Adirondacks. We have had scouts represent us at such various programs as the Philmont High Adventure Base in New Mexico, the National Scout Jamboree at Summit Bechtel Reserve in West Virginia, Eagle Flight Week at Camp Cutler in Naples, and the National Youth Leadership Training in, at Cutler as well. We are a boy-led troop, and all of the activities that we undergo are by the volition of our youth leadership corps with, uh, should I say, professional advice from our adult leaders. We strive to develop today's young men and tomorrow leaders, into tomorrow's leaders. That is our goal. The First Presbyterian Church has been a longtime supporter of our troop, including meeting space and equipment storage, and we are thankful for that. I thank you for the opportunity to celebrate the anniversary of scouting here at the First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh.
a delight to have such fine young men as senior patrol leaders and a wonderful representation, both with our scouts and their parents and those who support them and love them. Friends, we have a responsive reading for, the, for ourselves and the scouts. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his inheritance. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare, they will give you. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Remember also the golden text. And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. Do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Wisdom is the principal thing. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Get wisdom. Get insight. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the word. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous ones their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that God may have mercy on them, and to our God, for God will abundantly pardon. The Lord God is our great scoutmaster, who provides all our needs. God lets us camp in the forests tall and meadows green. God leads us on trails besides waters deep and still, brooks babbling, streams rushing, and rivers raging. God restores our bodies, minds, and souls, even as we observe the eagle soaring to greater heights above. God encourages scouts in their climbing. God teaches us to live the scout oath and law, even though the trails may lead through dark valleys with towering mountains, we are courageous because God leads us. God continually blesses us with food for mind and body. Even when our enemies dislike or distrust us, God blesses us with the gifts of love and forgiveness. Surely, divine goodness and mercy will sustain us all the days of our lives. And when we climb the final trail through the awesome pass that leads to the great council fire, we shall join those who traveled the trail before us and joyfully live with God forever. Well, I'm going to invite children to join me here on the stairs. Boy, it's getting cold out there again. I brought with me today a t-shirt. This t-shirt will not fit me. It's too small. 
I don't know if any of you have ever seen a single snowflake. If you haven't, what you could ask is you could ask your parents to look up on Google and find a single snowflake, and then there's probably going to be a picture of one, and they could show it to you. That would be kind of nice. But my T-shirt, it's really someone else's, has a picture on it of a snowman. Right? Did you see the snowman? There it is. And there's real writing, and the writing is very small. It was like the size of a snowflake. I had to, and it's cursive. Can anybody here read cursive? Yeah. Cursive is tough. It says, A snowflake is a very fragile thing by itself. But just look what happens when they stick together. Right. I realize that a snowflake is very fragile. One snowflake but if you put enough of them together, you can make a snowman. And I thought that groups of people are kind of like that. By ourselves, we're kind of um, fragile. But if we got a lot of people together, we can do wonderfully big things, like having a snowman. I have granddaughters. They're ages five and three. And they have corrected me. I showed them this t-shirt and I said, this is a snowman. And they told me it wasn't. They told me it was Olaf. <laughs> you know who Olaf is? Yeah. You d- I figured you did. Uh, Olaf is from Frozen. Yeah. But it's kind of true. If we do some good, important things Together, even if they're big things, God will make us all part of something even when we're singly fragile. Let's pray about this. Lord God, we thank you for today. And we know that we're just one person, but together we can do great things. So we ask that your spirit would be with us and help us to be your people together in this place. Be with us as we go to learn about you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have a great time in Sunday school today. Thanks for coming up. Fiery pillar leading 
Our scripture lesson for today is taken from Mark's Gospel, verses 1, chapter 1, 29 through 39. You'll notice that this is at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, and Mark's is the shortest of the four Gospels, giving us an opportunity to recognize that everything has to happen rather quickly. We've already had the disciples called, and now Jesus is going to be healing, praying, and then saying to those around him, 
It's time for us to move again. Move to different campgrounds like our scouts do. Move and share the good news. I invite you to hear God's word to you. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because the demons knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. Jesus answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The collect today is one we can share. Now there is no male or female. Now there is no free or slave. Now there is no Jew or Gentile in the earth Christ died to save. Christ has set us free for freedom. We no more sing slavery's creed. Our submission and Christ has set us free indeed. A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Well, eagles show up pretty prominently in the readings and in the prayers and things, don't they? You ought to know about that. Most scouts should aspire to be one. If I could reduce everything I have to say today to a simple sentence, it would be this. The Apostle Paul gave up preferences and privileges and prerogatives for the sake of the gospel, and he challenges you and me to do the same thing. And as he does this, I thought to myself, he is so far behind the times. Have you not heard it said? You can't be all things to all people. Whereas the Apostle Paul says, I have become all things to all people in order that I might win some. So if you've gotten the advice, you can't be all things to all people, you didn't get it biblically. Because it's not that way in the Bible at all. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the island of Malta. I never have. It's a Mediterranean island which is hot every day of the year. Sounds good about now. It's very sunny. I once read about a chaotic traffic pattern in Malta. Cars and buses dart every which way, no apparent order whatsoever. And so there was an article in a magazine about this, and they interviewed a policeman. And he explained why the traffic is so disorderly. He said, well, in some countries, people drive on the right. In other countries, people drive on the left. Here in Malta, we drive in the shade. Everybody has their preference for it. They believe it is their prerogative to drive in the shade. Our world is full of people like this. I mean, we don't much like the heat, although this morning we take exception to the view. We want to cool our heels and kick back and relax and go through life easily. One of the toughest tasks any church faces is finding a good pastor. One time there was a church that was looking for a new minister. And they weren't sure where they'd find one. Actually, denominationally, they were sent some to look at. And they had kind of resumes to review. And finally, they found one application. And one of the elders decided to read it for the committee that was to choose this new pastor. The application read this way. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand your pulpit is vacant. I like to apply for the position. I have many qualifications. I've been a preacher with much success. I've also had some success as a writer. Some say I'm a good organizer. I've been a leader in most places I've been. I'm over 50 years of age and have never preached in one place longer than three years. 
In some places, I have left town after my work caused riots and disturbances. I will admit, I have been in jail three or four times. My health is not good, but still I accomplish a great deal. The churches I preached in have been small, though several are located in large cities. I have not gotten well along with people in the church there or the religious leaders in town. In fact, some have threatened me, some have attacked me physically. I'm not good at keeping records. I've been known to forget who I baptized. But if you can use me, I promise to do my best for you. So the committee talked very briefly about this one. One of the elders said, what do you think? Should we call him to be our pastor? The committee was appalled. Consider a sickly, trouble-making, absent-minded jailbird. Are you crazy? Who signed the darn thing? Who had the nerve? The elder said it was signed by the Apostle Paul. I mean, there's more than a little truth to this parody. St. Paul couldn't please anyone. It was a common practice in Jesus' day for prominent philosophers and teachers to charge a fee for teaching and public speaking. But when Paul was in Corinth, he refused to do this. It's not that he didn't deserve it. He is very clear on the fact that preachers and teachers of the gospel deserve to be paid for their work. But Paul was grateful to God for all that God had done in his life, and he considered his salvation payment enough. Out of his great gratitude, he would willingly spread the gospel. To be paid well for your speaking, what you really want to do is to win the Super Bowl. And if you are the coach of the team who wins the Super Bowl, do you know what is your approximate fee for every 30-minute speech you give somewhere? $75,000. Is it worth it? Other coaches will be deflated, I'm sure. Now, Paul was a tanner. And when he was working in cities, he started new congregations. He earned his living from the tanning trade. Now, that does deal with hides, but it also means that he made tents, which was the prominent portion of his tanning trade. He was a tent maker. And so what has crept into the church is the term tent-making ministry. It has its origins in the Apostle Paul. A tent-making ministry is one where the pastor has employment from some other job, which is his primary source of salary. He earns his living that way and serves the church on a part-time basis. We have a number of congregations that use this model. Uh, My brother-in-law is Jay Lewis. He's an attorney. For years, he was the vice president of Parker Hunter Investment Firm in Pittsburgh. They have about 60 stores operational around the U.S. He was in charge of their legal department. Daily, he would go into Pittsburgh and he would take the elevator up to the 14th floor in the U.S. Steel Building 
But then on the weekends, as an ordained pastor of Redstone Presbytery, he would go lead worship in churches all over southwestern Pennsylvania. He was known as a tent maker. Now, Paul couldn't win. If he charged for his services, he offended some people. If he didn't charge, he offended others. Any pastor who thinks that he or she is exempt from criticism better go back and read the New Testament. But Paul felt he was one of the most fortunate people in the world, and that I understand. Now, it's not very often that Carrie or I have challenged any of you to think about God calling you to ministry. But I pause just enough today to say, if God moves that on your heart, either one of us would love to talk to you. There are rewards in ministry about which we very seldom speak. There are times when you get to watch a husband and wife embrace and be reconciled. She's had an affair, and he has become distant, and their estrangement has been painful. It is mirrored in the attitudes of their children. And finally, they've come to the church office for help. And although you want to refer them to a competent marriage therapist, you are aware that mutual forgiveness will go far beyond what most marriage counselors will offer. In some unbelievable way, the Holy Spirit moves at that moment, and they have tears, and they forgive each other, and they embrace right in front of you. And then you step out of the office for a few moments because you want to give them the privacy that they need. And when you go out into the hall, all you can think is, thank you, Lord. Or you're sitting in a chair, you're pouring over financial statements, and in comes this man. He sits down. Then he takes out needles and hands them to you, and he says, can you get me to a place where I can get better? And so you ease him into your car, and then you talk. Do I need to take you to a crisis intervention center, or has something else happened? Did you get it from the needles? And he says he doesn't really know about that. He just wants to get away from this habit. And so you drive him to crisis intervention center, and you sit there, in the waiting room with him. And then they open the door with those locks behind it. And before he goes through, he just gives you a big hug. A child telephones and arranges to meet with you and talk about the God and Country Award. And together you set up a series of appointments and review the nature of faith and the history of Christianity and how your congregation works. And then this boy says to you, can you show me where I was baptized? I would like to feel the water 
again. You see her coming down the aisle. She is radiant in that dress. And you remember the time when she was hospitalized or when she wondered if a day like this would ever come. And when she places her hand in his, you are as proud of her and what she has become as her own dad. Rich and Eleanor were married at the Bessemer Church. And they had a new baby. And Eleanor called and said, you know, Reverend Bo, our baby is just wonderful, never cries. I said, never cries, really? She said, no, baby, never cries. We have a wonderful child. I said, have you talked to your pediatrician about this? She said, do you think we ought to? I said, oh, yeah. You need to talk to the doctor about what might be wrong. She said, you think something? I said, well, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But I would certainly take your baby there. She called the next day. She said, yes, our baby has a severe vitamin deficiency. And it's not developing properly. She has to be hospitalized for a while, and then we'll take care of her at home. The baby turned four months of age, and Rick and Eleanor brought their baby girl to the church for baptism. The whole family was there. And during the baptism, the baby cried. For the first time. And the mom cried and the dad cried and I cried and the whole congregation cried. We all cried. (laughs) Because it was a sign that the baby was well. I have been compensated big time. And so have you. The Apostle Paul took this great commission seriously. What's the great commission? I mean, you know the great commandment, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. But the great commission is found in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I will be with you always. So Paul received these words of the master and he earnestly tried to live them. And he went everywhere. Now at the end of World War II, Robert Woodruff, president of the Coca-Cola Company, from 1923 to 1955, had a mission. He said, in my generation, it is my desire that everyone in the world have a taste of Coca-Cola. And with vision and dedication rarely matched in corporate America, Woodruff and his colleagues span the globe with their drink. I've traveled to lots of obscure places, and wherever I go, 
We are there in Katali, Kenya, out by the orphanage, and there is a little house, and on the side of the house is the words, drink Coca-Cola. Why is it right for people to feel that passionate about a soft drink and not that passionate about taking God's love to the world? Are there no places of darkness left where Christ's light needs to shine? Are there no families in crisis that need Christ's love and understanding? Is no one left in poverty who needs the gracious charity of the master? Are there no more teach teenagers in hopeless webs of addiction and violence who need to be liberated from that? Has our technological advance left us no problems that need to be alleviated, no wounds which only divine love can heal? Is our city perfect in every way? If it is, we certainly don't need any security. And if we need some, then it's a sign we have a commission that needs yet to be fulfilled. There are people to whom we need to go. St. Paul felt this passion. And you and I are in this room 2,000 years later because Paul was not deterred. Not only did he take the Great Commission seriously, he was willing to do whatever it took to win people to Christ. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. I mean, this is a chameleon Christian. Now, author King Duncan tells about a motivational speaker who once said that there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who say, whatever. And the other group who says, whatever it takes. So we're going to have a litany of sorts. You can practice this. You have to be able to shrug your shoulders. right? And you have to say, kind of like Ben Stein, whatever. Just try it. Whatever. Pretty good. Now, the other part of the litany will be a little different. You have to say it with firmness and boldness and determination. Ready? Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Great. We're going to start the whatever part first, okay? Jesus said, love your neighbor. Jesus said, there's more rejoicing over one sinner who has found than... 99 who stayed with the fold. Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it to me. Okay. Now, let's say it just differently, like you practiced. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Whatever it takes. Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it to me. Whatever it takes. I have become all things to all people in order that I might save some. Whatever it takes. It's different. 
George G. Hunter, in his book, Church for the Unchurched, tells about Bill, who was a young man in his late 20s. Bill experienced a deep gift of faith and began to want to live that out a little bit. He observed that in his church, they had a group of men who liked to watch Monday night football. They did it in their own homes. And he decided he could really help a men's fellowship if he could bring a large screen TV into the church's fellowship hall on Monday nights. He'd probably have to kick Troop 341 out, but he would do that. And he would host it. So then he asked some of the men if they'd like to do that. Well, they weren't too much into it. They kind of gave him the whatever move, but they said, we can give it a try. And Bill decided that he would invite his good buddy, Big John, to join the group. Now, Big John had a very unkempt hairdo, and he wore a motorcycle jacket with lots of ink and tattoos, and he had an earring in one ear. And he agreed to come once. The men gathered. They didn't much care for Big John. And Big John kind of felt them, that they were kind of stuffy. And Bill said, next week uh, they have another football game. We'll do the same thing. Would you come back? And Big John said, well, I don't know. I He didn't want to say no, but he didn't want to say yes. So Bill said, well, if I got my ear pierced, would you come back? He said, if you got your ear pierced, maybe. Then Bill said, Big John, what if I... What if I brought all my friends over to Sweeney's Bar, where you usually go on Monday nights? Big John exhaled to his full height and he said, If you did that, I'd bring all my friends to meet you and this Jesus that you love. Now, I'm not suggesting here that all the men at First Presbyterian Church commence adorning their ears with jewelry. But I am asking whether or not you're willing to do whatever it takes to show the love and the mercy and the justice of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that in order to minister to people in Christ's name, we must meet them where they are, not bring them to where we are and expect them to be like us. And that's different. You don't know Marine Charles. One time, a number of folks built a house for her. It was a habitat house for Marine. As the construction was happening, she looked at her son Jonah and she decided to out, have an outreach to the other children in the other habitat houses that were built in that part of the city. And then some of the men from the church went to her home after it had been complete and dedicated, and they did electrical work and put some drywall in her basement. And then Marine invited the children in her neighborhood who had no place to go after school when their mothers were working, 
and she eventually took care of 22 children in her basement. Maureen did that before she left for her own shift at 7 p.m. and worked her eight-hour day then. Then Maureen started the Lighthouse Ministry, and it was a weekly Bible study for single women who had previously known some addiction, and they met in her basement after the children left and went home for supper. And together they sent birthday cards to people. They prayed for them. Some of them joined the Red Cross board. And she had a ministry. It was very important. And she knew where to and how to go to people. Two of the greatest evangelists I have ever known were two high school girls who were determined to have a table in their school cafeteria where anyone would be welcome and not one ill word would be said about anyone by anyone. I'll tell you their names. They were Daniel Rodriguez and Shelby Marciniak. Every so often I find them on Facebook. And they are doing today as adults what they did as high school teenagers. And they had a ministry. And they tried to become all things to all people, setting aside their own prerogatives for the benefit of others. If if I could just read this passage Again, just the end of it, but not in the New Revised Standard Version or the King James Version, but in a translation known as the Message, a translation done from the Hebrew and Greek by Eugene Peterson. You might hear the text even more for you. Here is how he puts the words of Paul. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I have entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view, I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those people to a relationship with a loving Lord. I did all of this because of Jesus' message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I've wanted to be in on it. I have become all things to all people in order that I might win some. If you want to do that too, there's a prayer that we can use in our bulletin today. Heavenly God, all of life is your gift to us and we receive it as children with arms wide. 
Help us to return to you our best and first efforts with equally opened-arm trust. Bless our giving so that it might be a gift and an example to others. We pray this in the name of your all-giving Son, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated, friends. Well, you see some beautiful flowers in the chancel this morning. Bo and Pat, we give thanks and praise for the love that you shared with your brother-in-law and for the joy that you share with us. Thank you for that. We also have an opportunity to give thanks and praise for our scouts being here. It's always a joy to have you be reverent amongst us. We're thankful for new life. So Jeff and Julie Steele, we're delighted that you have had a chance to see baby Erin at 1.8 pounds at her birth and now a little bit stronger and growing. We'll hope and pray that she does extremely well as she grows. We give thanks and praise also for the ways that God moves amongst us and works miracles. So we're Hopeful that Lucian Rouse, after his skiing accident, will be much better, and we are in prayer for him. But we're also in prayer for Maura Rouse, and for her parents in particular. She went to the West Coast to take care of them, her aging parents, and we're thankful that she has that freedom to be able to do that. 
We're in prayer also for Joyce Drake's sister-in-law. I'm sorry, Joyce Drake's sister, who is in hospice and lives in New Mexico. So we're in prayer with Joyce and and for her sister. We've gotten a, a prayer request from the Wilson family. And we're praying on the behalf of the Kowalski family. This is your longtime work colleague who last Friday, Michael, was in a head-on car crash. And we grieve with that family and with those who are now coping with that. He remains in a coma and in intensive care at Strong. His wife and four children we are in in prayer for. And Muriel Nothard, we're in prayer for Scott Ponticella, who died at age 46 at work last night as an RG&E repair lineman. He was the best friend of Muriel Nothard's son, Greg. He leaves a wife and two teenage sons. We've also lost the friend, I'm sorry, the the mother of Dominic Polizzi. Um, Dominic and his family were able to have dinner with Dominic's mother on Sunday evening, and then unexpectedly she passed away, and her memorial service was held this week. All of these things may give us pause, and indeed they ought to. But just as our gospel said, even as Jesus has gone to heal, he then went away to pray. And so in confidence, we can lift these and other things of which we might be unaware today to God confidently in prayer. Powerful God, your love lifts us and your mercies are new to us every morning. From our foremothers and forefathers, we have learned your commandments, how you desired love of neighbor and not empty praise how you called for justice and mercy rather than rites and rituals, how in our search for your justice we should show kindness, not a spirit of reprisal. We learned of Jesus, whom you sent to show us your perfect way. As he went about healing, his disciples learned of love. As he taught, his followers heard of your promise of new life. And in his death, the world would know that you are a God of infinite love. That same Jesus, whom you raised from the dead, is our chief priest, and intercedes on behalf of us all. We are strengthened by that knowledge. As our scout's presence reminds us this morning, we are all continuously on a journey of spiritual maturity. Help us to learn from you what it is to be subject to one another. May we not be afraid of dependence when it comes to trusting in you. We are your agents in bringing others to faith, whatever it takes. And so we lift to you those now struggling with challenges that may seem to overwhelm them. We also lift to you our gratitude for those gifts that you have given to each of us. And we all seek to grow in our spiritual maturity, praying as your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. Forgive and our And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
just something to chew on for a little bit as you go through a snowy day. 1,400 years ago, there was a religious leader who tried to make many people servants. And a little over 2,000 years ago, there was a wonderful religious leader who tried to be a servant to others. A little over 1,400 years ago, there was a religious leader who tried to conquer by force. And a little over 2,000 years ago, there was another religious leader who tried to conquer by sacrificing himself, not others. You have some choices to make as you try to be all things to all people, to win some. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing and comfort of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and the life everlasting. Amen.